Tanya, Jordan and Mecca. Really good. Great testimony, Kylie. So thank you. And kids, what, uh, what we're going to do now is um, continue looking... Yeah, you can just pop them there, buddy. That's great. Thanks heaps, Sam. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to continue, but in a really brief way, looking at what we look at as adults while you're in there having all that fun. So we can hear you guys having a blast Sunday morning by Sunday morning, and we've been working through Matthew 18. So what I'm going to do is do it really short and compact, but we're going to look at the next section. Is that okay? Kiddos, all good? It's great to have you with us, and you're sitting there with your adults, uh, which is with your parents, which is great, because at the end of the message, we're going to have a time of communion, and it might be the first time that you actually participate in communion. That would be really special. So let me pray, and then we're going to have a look at this next uh, short passage in Matthew chapter 18. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that happens across the various age brackets in our church life. And it's been really special just to hear some of what uh, people have been learning being showcased today. Thank you for the ministry that is occurring. Thank you for the generations that are being impacted. And now as we come to your word, Father God, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would grant us insight and wisdom, that you would speak into our lives and minister to us in this time. Be glorified among us. Do your work in our hearts, we pray. By your spirit, Would you minister here now? In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Do you ever have any of those times uh, of family table talks? So times when you get everybody around the table and there's something important to share. So it might be that there's some congratulations or some announcements or something that you celebrate together. Or there might be a really important discussion that you need to have. Uh, I remember a time when we... um, were uh, considering moving from Perth up to Caratha, and I remember gathering, uh, my late wife and I, gathering our three kids who were, uh, what, nine to about 13, I think they were, and uh, just talking with them, maybe it was a little bit older than that, talking with them about this big move of going up to Caratha and saying, oh, what will happen with our friends? Rach wanted to know, what will happen with my pet guinea pig? Will that be able to survive in the heat of Caratha? Stuff like that. But it was that time of sort of gathering around a table and talking together. Well, this morning, we are going to do a bit of that as a church family. We're going to have a family table talk. And the important topic to discuss is how do we deal with offences and upsets that happen between us as family members? I'm sure I'm not the only person that when I grew up, there was often a little bit of conflict happening in the home. Am I the only one that that happened to? I remember, um, you know, I would spend some considerable time daydreaming about how I could get my sister back and thinking through the cunning plans to try to uh, seek revenge. And then we would go and see our our, um, our neighbours in a neighbouring farm, Cheryl and Michael, and, man, they knew how to fight like I had never seen people fight like that before. So today... We're going to have a look at what Jesus has to say about what do we do as a family when somebody upsets 
somebody else. And there's lots of options for how we could deal with that. But Jesus has some very clear instructions. And we'll look at that shortly and briefly in this time now. So here's the passage from Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. If your brother or sister, the Greek word is adelphos, it just means somebody from the same womb. If your brother or sister, your sibling, sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Jesus is giving some very clear instructions for what we do when upsets happen in the family. And I want you to notice for a start that he's talking about a brother or a sister. Now, that's different because so far he's actually been talking about children. So um, kids and, and young people, if you haven't been in, uh, this whole chapter began with the 12 adult bloke disciples having a bit of a biff with each other about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to have the position of top dog. And what Jesus did basically was went down, grabbed little Joshy and sort of brought him in the middle and said, you've got to become like a child to even get into the kingdom of heaven. And do you know how greatness is measured in the kingdom? It's by those who humble themselves. Those who humble themselves, like this child, will be the greatest in the kingdom. So Jesus mentioned children, or little ones, seven times so far in this chapter. Uh, We need to welcome and embrace one such child. That's the equivalent of welcoming Jesus. We have to be super careful about causing one of these little ones who believe in Jesus to sin. We mustn't look down on one of these little ones. The father doesn't want one of these little ones to perish, is what I was looking at last week. So seven times Jesus has been referring, in this group of 12 blokes, he's been referring to a little child, a minor, uh, somebody who seems powerless and inferior. And now, for the first time, he's changing image from child to brother-sister. In other words... Now there is an equality of power between people. That's really important for this uh, section and for this topic. In fact, it was David Juniper that tipped me off to this, that this passage is one of the most neglected passages in Scripture, or if it is referenced, it's one of the most misapplied because it refers to a brother or a sister, to equals. So adults... That's why we do not ask little ones who have been terribly offended by an adult to go and present their case to the adult. There's a huge imbalance of power there. This passage doesn't apply when there's that imbalance of power. This passage is talking about when brothers or sisters offend each other. So here's the process that Jesus lays out, and I've got it on that sheet there. It's a simple process but so helpful. There's an offence that happens. That is going to happen. If it hasn't happened to you yet, just hang around for a while. It will happen, okay? Uh, This will occur because we are not a perfect group of people and sins will transpire 
and we are still in process, and yes, we've been forgiven, and yes, the Holy Spirit indwells us, but there is still sin lurking in our members, and we're going to say and do things that are going to upset one another. If your brother or sister sins against you, what do you do? Go and tell, is Jesus' first command. Go, it's a command, and tell, make it plain to them what they have done. Help them to see it. If they listen to you as you go on your own to talk with them, what does Jesus say? You've won your sister or your brother. If they listen, they go, oh, I didn't realise that I'd upset you like that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Then you've won. That relationship's been restored. But if they do not listen, then next stage, you take one or two others and you help that person see, hey, what you did was really hurtful and this is how I felt as you did that. Can you see the consequences of this? So you take one or two others. Now, do they listen? If they do, yes, then you've won your sister or your brother. If they don't listen, Jesus says, next step is you tell the church. He says you actually bring it to the church community and go, hey, there's something that has occurred that's been deeply hurtful and it, it needs to be dealt with, and so far, despite our best efforts, it hasn't actually resolved. And so you bring it to the church. You don't do that first, but Jesus says there is a place where that will occur. You can see he's looking forward, uh, and he's describing what it would be like in church time. Now, will the person listen to that? Because there's a fair bit of pressure there. Will they listen? If they do, yes, then you've won your sister or brother. If they don't listen... Stage four, Jesus says, you treat them as somebody that any good self-respecting Jew would keep their distance from. You, you treat them as a Gentile, a pagan, somebody that doesn't know God, or a tax collector, somebody that's a bit dubious and doing things that are, are not appropriate. In other words, you treat them as somebody that needs to hear the gospel and come to Christ for the first time. So that's the process that Jesus walks through in this. Let's go through because I think he actually gives us six steps here that are really helpful and really important for how we deal with offences. How has this church dealt with offences that have occurred in our history? Jesus has something to say about it. And the first thing he says is, acknowledge it instead of denying it. So you know what happens normally Somebody will upset you and you just sort of go la, 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 la and you pretend it hasn't happened. And what you do when you go to church is that you just sort of steer clear of them. Oh, I can't see them, can't see them, can't see them. And it, it's, like, um, it's like you're trying to deny it. It's like there's seafood that you've left on the patio outside and the weather is warm and you just sort of pretend it's not there. The trouble is, you know, it's going to go off. And so sometimes among churches, there'll be things that happen and it's wrong, it's hurtful, but nobody seems to acknowledge it. And people will come to church and they'll go, can, can, you, can you smell that? What is, what is that? You know, <laughs> Because there's a dirty, stinking big pile of rubbish that's been left in the church and nobody's dealt with it. So Jesus is actually saying something about the church, that we do not let sin continue to 
cause hurt among the family, we actually have to deal with it. Acknowledge it. Don't deny it. It doesn't help. We're meant to be a community that deals with it. The second thing is, he says, take the initiative instead of avoiding it. Okay, so somebody's uh, hurt somebody else. And so often, if I'm the one that's been hurt, I'll go, oh, oh, they they probably won't even listen anyway. Uh, I won't deal with it. It's a bit embarrassing. Yes, I do feel hurt. I I know it was wrong. I'm not going to, you know. Jesus says, no, no, no. Go. Now, we might say, well, it's their fault. They did it. They should come to me. No, if, if your brother or sister sins against you, they may not know that they have hurt you. Jesus says, go. If you are the offended party, go. In Matthew 5, he says, if you're the one that caused offense, if you're there, ready to make a, a, a sacrifice at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there at the altar and go. First be reconciled. So whether you are the offended party or the person that did the offending and caused the hurt, Jesus says it's your responsibility. Go and then he says this, make it plain. And he uses a particular word to describe how we are to communicate. We are to communicate in such a way that the whole intent is to make it clear. Can you see how that hurt, how that offended, how that was wronged? So you're communicating with clarity, not hostility. If you go in and say, I want to have a talk with you, and you, you know, it's not going to help. It's just going to get people's backs up. So Jesus says, yes, you acknowledge it instead of denying it. You take the initiative instead of avoiding it. You communicate with clarity instead of hostility. And really importantly, he says the first step is that you keep it private, not public. You go to your brother or your sister on your own and make it known to them. We are often terrible at this, aren't we? So we'll uh, meet with some other people and go, I wonder if you could just pray for us. You know, I've really had this hard experience. I'm just raising this for prayer. No, Jesus says. Or we do the triangulation trick. You know the triangulation trick? Where A offends B, but B doesn't go to A. B goes to C and tells C about it. And now C is really grumpy with A. But the trouble is that C wasn't the one offended by A. And it just complicates it all. So Jesus says, no, 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 first things first. When sin occurs in the community, it needs to be dealt with. And the way that you deal with it is that you go and you make it clear and you go on your own just with them. And you need to get your heart ready so that the whole motivation, the whole intent is for restoration. So that in the process of sharing this, you could actually win that relationship back. And instead of having a severed relationship, there's actually been restoration and reconciliation. So you go into this not to punish, not to get revenge, not to alienate, but to actually seek to mend relationships. How have we gone with that, church? What's that like for us as a church? 
you would be unusual as a church of 50 coming up 60 years if there hadn't been things go on where one person had hurt another. I wonder what the pattern has been in this church for how you deal with that. Do you just try to bury it? Do you just sweep it under the carpet? Are you big enough that you can just avoid people that oh, I don't really like them, but I tell you what, I just won't talk with them. I'll talk with others. Or are we actually taking Jesus' instructions seriously enough to go that when sin occurs, it's important that we deal with it. And we're going to deal with it the way Jesus taught us to. And here is perhaps the hardest point, number six, is that you persist with the steps until you reach a conclusion. So Jesus doesn't say, if they don't listen to you the first time, oh, don't worry, it's too hard, don't, you know, don't pro- progress any further. He says, no, 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 those are the stages. Keep working through it until you reach a conclusion. Pray that there will be reconciliation earlier rather than later. But Jesus says, you keep working through it. Jesus is telling us something about the nature of the kingdom church. That Jesus' kingdom church is meant to be a reconciling community. Will sins occur between us? Yes, unfortunately, they will. But tell you what, we are not going to ignore it. We're not going to pretend that it doesn't happen. We're not going to try and sweep it under the carpet. We're not going to just hold grudges. More about that later. We're actually going to do the hard work of going as Jesus instructed us to go on our own, making it clear with clear communication and with the whole motivation of restoring relationship. So, family table talk time. (laughs) Looking at what Jesus is uh, teaching us in this passage. I think there's a general and there's a specific. The general is that we need to agree in principle with Jesus' instructions. That this is his church and he gets to set the rules on how a church operates. And so when there's one person who's upsetting another or somebody's been terribly grieved by another, we actually deal with it in the way that Jesus calls us to do it. So we need to agree with that in principle. But then you can probably guess what the second point is. Not just the general, but the specific. It may be this morning that you know, ouch, I've been offended and I've never dealt with it. And it's still there. And I know that I'm holding on to some root of bitterness because I've actually never dealt with that sin. And it may be that the Lord is calling somebody here, perhaps a number of people here, to resolve to commence that process of seeking reconciliation and restoration. May we be a church that genuinely, humbly, graciously deals with broken relationships, moments where Sin has occurred, offence has occurred, and fracture has opened up. May we be a church that deals with that in such a way that we manifest this gracious reconciliation that Jesus intended for us as the church. And so with that, we want to transition to communion. And it is actually so appropriate to come out of that passage
into sharing around the Lord's Supper. There's a couple of questions as we come to the Lord's Supper. Um, One is, what is it? And the other is, who's allowed to participate in it? (laughs) Well, the Apostle Paul gave us these instructions very clearly. In 1 Corinthians 11, he said this. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a table of remembrance. We're remembering what Jesus accomplished for us. It's not an altar where we're making the sacrifice again. It's a table where we are remembering what Jesus has already accomplished. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, a new agreement between God and his people that's been established by the blood of Christ. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, children, as we come to to communion this morning, some of you will be wondering, well, am I allowed to participate in communion? So there's a a little pack here. It's got juice and it's got a, a wafer. You can hardly really call that bread, can you? It's a cracker. Not much of it either. But there you go, that's what we use. But they are symbols that remind us of the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. That's what communion is. question for you as kids is, are you allowed to participate? Well, if mum and dad say you are, then let me tell you that the the criteria, the qualification for being able to participate is not that you went to Sunday school, not that you grew up in a Christian home, not that you've been a good person, not that you think you haven't made any colossal uh, mistakes in your life. The one qualification for being able to participate is that you know you haven't lived the way God's wanted you to, but you're trusting in Jesus for his forgiveness. That's the qualification. And so it doesn't matter how old you are, if you know, I've sinned against God, but I'm trusting in Jesus to forgive me, then if it's okay with your mum and dad, it's definitely okay with Jared and I for you to participate in this simple act of remembering what Jesus has accomplished. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread... And he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you, the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. So it may be, for some of you, maybe the first time that you participate. And you are welcome to, with mum and dad's permission. So why don't you come and participate together. Come and grab the bread. Come and grab the cup.
Why don't you eat the bread in your own time and we'll drink the cup together. Friends, I want to remind you that Jesus' body was broken for you and for me. His blood was shed for you and for me that we might be forgiven and accepted in the courts of heaven. So as often as you eat or drink, do this in remembrance of him until he comes. Let's drink together. Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and praise that your body was broken, your blood was shed, that our sin might be paid for completely, that we may be declared right in the courts of heaven and have that hope, that sure and certain hope of eternal life. Father, we give you thanks and praise. We pray that you would do your work among us as a church community. That we might be the kingdom church as you envisaged us to be. A place that deals with sin and offence and does it humbly and honestly and persistently and graciously. We pray that instead of a stink and a stench that there might be something so sweet, so pleasant, the fragrance of the atmosphere of this place. May you be honoured among us, we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.